0: I think about the concept of time time is a really fascinating thing uh, to me and time is something that we we talk a lot about time that that uh, we have or we don't have wasted time you know we want uh, we want to accomplish certain things in a certain amount of time and and time's just an interesting thing the, the I think about sports and sometimes they have to call a timeout because they don't want any more time to go by. They need to stop the flow of time. So they call a timeout and the clock stops. And they all go and huddle up and they think about something and then they go back out and the whistle blows and the clock starts again. We don't have that luxury in life, do we? And we can call a time out, and we can try to step away, but the clock continues to tick. Time continues to go by, and we can't do anything about it. We can't stop the flow of time. In fact, God set time in motion, and God wanted us to experience the flow of time. I don't know why that is. I don't know if, if God in his infinite wisdom knew that there was a benefit to the human race to experience the flow of time, But he set that in motion in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 4. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. The first day. God set it in motion from the beginning. I don't know how God experienced time before the creation. Don't need to know. But I know that since the creation, we have experienced the flow of time one day at a time. One day at a time. In the 14th verse, and God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Not just one day, but one week and one month. And one year, and ten years, and fifteen, and twenty. We experience that flow of time, don't we? And along with that experience comes the experience sometimes of waiting. You know, waiting is something that I'm not very good at. I don't like to wait. Don't like to wait at all. And when I'm at, the store, at a store at a retail store, I get in the line and I count and I figure out which line is the shortest line, so that I can wait the most minimal amount of time. And then I look over at the other lines and think, "Well, I would have been there if I was in that line. I would have been that, that far ahead. And when I'm on the interstate, I pick a lane and I get in that lane. And especially when traffic is slowing down and I pick that lane because I think it's moving the fastest and I'll have to wait the least amount of time to get where I'm going if I get in this lane and then i watch the cars go by in the lane next to me because I picked the wrong lane. I always pick the wrong lane. I don't like to wait, but for something that we don't like to do, we spend an awful lot of time waiting, don't we? We wait. I want to tell you about someone or or a group of people that waited a very, very long time. In the book of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of peace, Isaiah makes a prophecy here about Christ, the coming Savior, that he is going to come unto us, a child is given, unto us a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulders given. we call wonderful, counsellor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, Prince of peace. This is Christ, this is the Messiah. These people had a lot going on in the days of Isaiah. In the days that he prophesied and they were in much turmoil and would continue to be in much turmoil. They had a lot of things going on. Along about the same time another prophet, Micah, prophesied in Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2. But thou Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of these shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth had been from old from everlasting. This is 700 years before Jesus comes. Isaiah prophesies, unto us a child is born. Micah prophesies, in the city of Bethlehem, a child shall be born who will be what? Who will be the ruler in Israel. He's coming. They didn't say it's going to be 700 years down the road. Isaiah said to us, a son is born. Micah said in the city of Bethlehem. I don't know what these people thought exactly. I know the the circumstances that were surrounding the time of this prophecy. The difficulty that they were going through. The difficulty that they were yet to go through. But I imagine if I would have heard that and I didn't know. They didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't know when exactly he was coming. But what would your reaction have been? You put yourself in their shoes. And you... Hear this prophecy. You hear the prophecy of Isaiah and you know a Savior is coming. What would your reaction be? I think I would have been like, Yes! Yes! The Master is coming. The Savior is coming. The ruler is coming. The king is coming. And we're not going to have all these problems anymore. The Savior is coming. And then a year goes by because we experience those days and years and weeks and months and so a year goes by and two and five and ten and a hundred and two hundred and five hundred years that's a long time five hundred years and seven hundred years go by and in the fullness of time God sends forth his son. 700 years. It's a long time to wait. I can't imagine waiting on anything that long. You want to go further back? Jesus was prophesied in the very beginning in the book of Genesis. The coming of Christ was prophesied thousands of years out. Thousands of years. Have you ever wondered why God waited so long to send Jesus? Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. But when the fullness of time was come, what does that mean exactly? It means when the time was right. When the time was right, God sent forth His Son. He didn't send forth His Son when the time was not right. He didn't make the time right so that He could send forth His Son. When the time was right, He sent His Son to this earth. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10 puts it like this, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth, even in Him. When the time was right, when the time was perfect, he sent forth his son in the dispensation of the fullness of times. God sent Jesus at the absolute perfect time. What made that the perfect time? I don't know exactly. I can look back and look at some things in history that led up to that point and make some assumptions, make some guesses, but I don't know exactly You know, consider the Jews in the Old Testament and what they had up to that point in time. They had a written record of the law. They had a written record of the Old Testament. They could turn and find places and find prophecies of the Christ. They had it written down and in their possession. That made that an ideal time for Jesus to come. Had he come prior to that, they would have had to depend on some other means, some other method of, of uh, seeing if that was truly accurate, of seeing whether those prophecies were truly accurate, of determining if that was really the Christ or not. But at that time, when Jesus was born on the earth, when Jesus came into existence on this earth, they had a record. We have records of Jesus reading that very law, prophecies about himself. Talking about that with the Jews. They had that. They could confirm that now. Whether or not they did. That's a different story. They chose to deny him in many ways. But they had it there. And it could be confirmed. The Romans had risen to be the world power of the time when Jesus came to this earth. And while we can look back and, and read about the Romans in... in, in criticize them because of the harshness toward Christians. All that's certainly true. What they had done was prepare an infrastructure unlike any time prior to that in world history. You can go over there and you can find roads that the Romans constructed that are still in existence today. The roads are still there today that they built in that time. I wish we could get a road to last that long. We can't get a road to last that long. But they had some serious engineers. And travel was easier than ever before in the history of mankind. Now, was travel as easy as it is today? Absolutely not. They couldn't hop on a a plane. But they could travel all over the known world at that time. Might take them some time, but they had a road, they had a mechanism to get there. You think about how much easier it was to spread the gospel in that time than when, say, the children of Israel roamed in the wilderness. They had a difficult time. God sent him at the right time. The Greek language was spoken by virtually everyone on planet Earth at that time. Everyone in the known world that they were going to associate with could speak Greek. United in language. At no time prior to or since even has people been able to speak that, with with the exception, of course, of the, the days... Uh, before the Tower of Babel when everyone spoke the same language But once God confounded those languages Then we come to that period of time and people learned the Greek language And, and people spoke the Greek language and a, and a majority of people in that area could speak and could understand that language Making it easier to spread the gospel Making it easier for people to understand God sent him at the perfect time And I'm sure there's many, many, many other reasons beyond what I could understand Showing that God sent Jesus at the perfect time. But I want you to think about what those people had to do. They waited and waited and waited. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. But was manifest in these last times for you. Before God said let there be light. He knew that on the day that Jesus Needed to be born, he would be born. Before he ever said, let there be life. Let that sink in for a minute. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the wonder of the God that is our Father. He knew that there would come a day when we had to have Jesus. We had to have Jesus. And he picked the perfect and exact right time to send him. If you would turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Several verses here so I don't have them on the powerpoint. Hebrews chapter 11. I want to begin reading in verse 33. This is what we know as the, the hall of fame of faith. The chapter of faith and we could read the whole chapter. Talks about some very well known characters to begin the chapter. And then he begins to wrap up the chapter with these words. And I want you to think about what he says here. He says, Who through faith, verse 33 of Hebrews chapter 11, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. These people went through a lot for God. They were faithful. They endured those things. But listen to what it says in verse 39. And these all having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise. They didn't get to see Jesus. They didn't get to obey the gospel. They didn't get to have the blood of Christ take away their sins while they were living. While they were on this earth. They didn't get to see that. wonder how bad they wanted to see it I wonder how bad they wanted to see it for 700 years how bad they wanted to see the Lord the Savior the wonderful counselor mighty God Prince of Peace everlasting father how bad did they want to see it and they didn't get to God having provided some better thing for us for you God provided a better thing. God let you live in the time when you can experience Jesus Christ. God let you live in a time where you can experience the forgiveness of sin, the blood of Jesus completely and totally washing your sins away. God let you live in that time. Let you live in that time. Not these folks that endured all these things. Not these folks that had to live in dens and caves. They didn't get to experience it. Not like you. They had an expectation. They knew what Jesus would mean when he came. But they did not get to experience it. Not like us. Think back to 1 Peter 1 and 20. Why was he manifest? He was, he was, the the promise was given from the foundation of the world. But he was manifest for you. He was manifest for you. He came to this earth for you. He sent him at the perfect time for you. For you. Now, what does that mean exactly? What does that mean? It means you don't have to wait for 700 years. You don't have to wait. And yet, the one thing we hate to do, we do not want to do, we'll find the shortest line, we'll go to the shortest lane, but when it comes to accepting Jesus, we wait. We wait. We don't know how much time we have, folks. That's the interesting thing about time. While it's been flowing on second after second, minute after minute, hour after hour, weeks and months and days and years, we do not know what level of time we have left. And why would we wait when God sent Jesus at the perfect time so we would not have to wait, so we would not have to put it off? Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. And that knowing the time. That now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. He said it's high time. It is time right now to get busy working for the Lord. Don't wait. Don't spend any longer thinking I can do this or that. Now. Now is the time. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. In the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Now you do not have to wait. There is no need to put salvation off. There is no need to delay. The blood of the Savior was offered once for all. And we live in the time to reap all the benefits of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. There's no anticipation of what is going to happen in the future as far as Jesus coming to redeem us from our sins. He did that in the past. The redemption has taken place. All we have to do is look at our life and say, I need Him. I need Jesus. I need His blood. And I need it now and yet we wait and we'll take the most precious commodity that we have and we waste it for what? why? why do we put it off? such an example exists the book of Acts chapter 24 and verse 25 says and he reasoned as and as he reasoned of righteousness temperance and judgment to come Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season I will call for thee. He'd waited all that time. This is a man who lived in an era where he would have got to experience what it was like to wait for the Lord. To wait for Jesus. And he waited all that time and now he's here. And Paul teaches him about him. And, and you can I mean, I can just see the man in my mind. I can just see the man as the realization comes over him that this is Jesus. This is the Messiah. This is the one that can take away my sins. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, he began to shake and tremble at the thought of this king, this savior. And what he could do and the judgment that was coming... If we don't accept him. And he. Waited. he Waited. He let time go on. For another day. Week. Month. And as time went by. His heart. Became hardened. More than likely. Who knows what he ever did. Who knows what he ever did. What about you. Where are you at today in your life? Are you waiting to serve the Lord? Are you waiting to serve the Master? Why? Ask yourself that question and be honest within your heart and within yourself. Why would I wait any longer to give my best to the Lord? What if you'd had to wait 700 years? What if you'd have had to live in caves and dens and be persecuted knowing you didn't have a Savior yet? They endured that persecution in expectation of a future event. We have it. We have it. Grasp it. Don't put it off any longer. Your job is to obey today. And then, yeah, you've got a little waiting to do. You'll wait for His return. A little waiting. I don't know. Maybe 700 years. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter anymore. The wait is irrelevant when you have the blood of Jesus covering your sins. The wait is irrelevant. But if you don't have the blood, the wait is dangerous. The wait is dangerous. Because we don't know when he may take us. We don't know when it may be the end. Romans chapter 2 and verse 7 says to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. Once we have the blood, the weight is simply waiting on him to return. Patient continuance and well-doing. Do the works. Obey him. James 5 and verse 7 says, Be patient therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he hath received The early and the latter rain. We can patiently wait on the coming of the Lord when we have his blood. When we have salvation. We can patiently endure. We can patiently wait. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 4. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you. That you both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. The patient waiting for Christ doesn't mean I'm going to patiently wait before I obey Him. The patiently waiting for Christ here means that once I have Him, once I have obtained His blood, I'll patiently wait for His return, for Him to come back in the end, for death to come. I'll patiently wait for that, and I'll not worry about that. I'll not have fear. I'll not have animosity about that. Why? Because I have the one thing that God waited to the perfect time to send, and that's Jesus Christ. The perfect time. And he sent him at the perfect time for you. The fullness of time has come. God sent forth his son. Born of a woman. Born under the law to redeem each and every one of us. He redeemed those that were under the law. He redeemed those that had to live in that time. And under those sacrifices. And he redeems us today through his blood. Will you accept him today? Will you accept the invitation? Or will you wait another day? Because every day you wait, it's easier to wait the next one. And it's easier to wait the next one. And before you know it, you've waited too long. The Bible tells us in the account of the book of Luke that someday he's going to get up and he's going to close the door. Speaks of Jesus as a door. Talks about Jesus being the door. That he's the door, that he's the way. And it even says that he stands at the door and knocks and and invites us to come in. But in Luke it said someday he's going to get up and he's going to shut the door. And you'll have waited too long. When he shuts the door, you'll have waited too long. what will you do? When you hear his voice call out and say, I never knew you. I never knew you. You waited too long. You could have known me. God sent me in the fullness of time, in the perfect time. You could have known me. You could have recognized me. You could have had me. Uh, My blood would have covered your sins, but you didn't. And now I don't know you. Depart. I can't imagine a worse thing to hear. Lucky for us, we don't have to. He sent his son. Perfect timing. The timing's perfect for you this morning. There is no better time. The fullness of time has come. Today is the day of salvation. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ Wheeler Area.